Hey everybody, this is the Female Stranger Master Cut. This is the amalgam of all the best of the three episodes we did on the Female Stranger put into one place. There are very few podcasts on the Female Stranger, so I wanted to put the best of our best in one episode so you could all get what we got, but to the best degree. Um, So this is what that is. Enjoy the Female Stranger Master Cut. I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. Gather around the campfire, everyone. It's time for The Connor and Smith Show. We are live. In Gatsby's Museum. Gatsby's Tavern Museum. We are here, in it. Um, We are now looking at an old fireplace (laughs) and dining tables. We're going to make our way to the room of the female stranger. So we'll be... Right back. From award-winning journalist and author, Michael Lee Pope, The Ghosts of Alexandria. His spellbinding book tells of historical intrigue, the brutal beginnings of a port city, romances that end in tragedy, restless spirits like the tomb of the female stranger who's said to haunt Gadsby's tavern, and the three falling ghosts of the Carlisle House. Explore the supernatural journey of the Ghosts of Alexandria. Available at ArcadiaPublishing.com I'm Stephen Gregory Smith. And I'm Matt Connor. Gather around the campfire, everyone. It's time for... The The Connor and Smith Smith Show. Um, Uh, tell us a story. Well, uh... This is going to be a multi-part issue, um, but this is uh, The Legend of the Female Stranger, Alexandria, Virginia. Um, This is a really interesting story. It's a mystery that's still unsolved to this day. Um, Basically, the, uh, the mystery started in... 1816, um, when Alexandria was still recovering from war, uh, and basically a couple, the long and short of it is, a couple pulls up in a boat, um, she's... As you do. Yeah, yeah, she's wearing a veil. As you do. So you can't really see her, and, uh, but the boat looks kind of wealthy looking, so people get excited, and they're like, well, come this way. You'll want lodging and somewhere to eat. But this woman was sick. Uh, she was not well. And uh, shortly after um, arriving, she passed away. And a doctor was summoned before she passed away, um, sworn to anonymity of who this woman was. Um, the doctor never told. And so this guy is distraught and he um, basically writes a bank note from the Bank of England uh, to this guy if he'll just pay for the the grave, the burial and the headstone and he does and then um, that was uh, like $1,500 and the equivalency is around like $30,000 today. This guy just kind of said sure and then when he tried to cash the note uh, it bounced. 
Oh no. So, but this guy, just as soon as he rolled in, he was on his boat and sailed away. And so they didn't know who she was, what, anything. So they made this memorial gravestone uh, that's still there today. Uh, this happened, uh, she passed away on the 14th day of October in 1816. She was 23 years and 8 months. This is what's, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because there's lots of theories of who she could be. Um, including she could be uh, Aaron Burr's daughter, um, Theodosia. Uh, that theory got more spotlight thanks to Hamilton. Um coming out and everything but uh so this is a really interesting and strange mystery that's never been solved so um i think that we're gonna go try to take a field trip to the the, the grave marker in alexandria and just see it she's supposedly haunts several spots in old town one is near her gravestone um the other is gatsby's tavern the oldest taverns down there and um room eight specifically where she died um and interestingly enough i think at gatsby's tavern every year on the 14th of october they still have an event that is uh port city brewing is down there and they they uh release a beer that's called the black veil and it's in honor of the female stranger. Um, and every year it's like, it tastes different. I'm not really sure. Different blend. I, I definitely want to see if we can check that out on the 14th if we can, um, if it's still happening. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to do several little female stranger kind of trips. I, I'm reading this really great book uh, by a gentleman named Michael Lee Pope called Ghosts of Alexandria, and it's fantastic. We're going to talk to Michael soon, but I just wanted to get the uh, first part of the female stranger in here so we can kind of set up the legend and lore. And then if you live around this area and want to try to find this grave, um, we're going to tell you how to do that and navigate that uh, with you. So uh, I guess we'll be right back. Okay, we just were on Wilk Street and we are turning on to Hamilton. So we're trying to find it, but we're driving in. This is more progress than yesterday. Um, past the sign for St. Paul's. The sign for St. Paul's is on our left. So then you just park on the side of the road. Okay, we're going to go find her. Okay, so you walk in and there's like gravel and uh, grass median. Straight at the end of that, it veers to the right. But I think I think that's it right there, actually. So it, when it veers right, it's the third gravestone over. Um and we can already see people have left rocks on top of it. Um, so we're taking a little right at the gravel road. The Ballinger. There, it's next to a grave that says Ballinger. Okay, and it has its own little area. There are flowers underneath. Someone has apparently left. They're fake. And it says 
uh, to the memory of a female stranger whose mortal sufferings terminated on the 14th day of October 1816, aged 23 years and 8 months. This stone is placed here by her disconsolate husband in whom's, whose arms she sighed out her last breath and who wander, who under God did his utmost even to soothe the cold, dead ear of death. I think that's what it says. Uh, how loved, how valued once avails thee not to whom related or by whom begot a heap of dust alone remains of thee. Tis all thou art and all the proud shall be. To him gave all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Acts 10th chapter 43rd verse. Okay. Um, looks like people have left. There's two pennies here and three rocks. Matthew is just placing fourth rock on the grave. Um... I would love to place something on it. Let me see if I can find something uh, to kind of let her know that we visited. Um, here's a rock. I'll do this. Okay. We are placing a rock on the female stranger's grave right now. Um, kind of sad uh, to think that nobody knew who she was and wonder what was the situation that uh, made her not want to say who she was. It's kind of a really sad story to be famous for being unknown. So that's, uh, that's the grave of the female stranger. Hey there, Michael. Um, you're here with me and my husband, Matt. Say hi, Matt. Hey. Uh, Michael Pope is uh, an award-winning journalist who lives in Old Town. Um, he's reported for the Alexandria Gazette. Uh, is that Packet? So the Gazette is a very old newspaper, dates to the 1780s. And then the, there used to be a different paper called the Alexandria Port Packet which was a weekly paper that was started in the 1970s. And then in the 1980s, they combined. So now it is the Alexandria Port Packet. See? Uh, uh, sorry, I, I, I screwed that up. So now it is the <laughs> Alexandria Gazette Packet. That, see, even your explanation is just so detailed and amazing. Um, also for WAMU 88.5, the New York Daily News, and the Tallahassee Democrat. Uh, Democrat. <laughs> I can't speak today. Um, you're from Moultrie, Georgia, right? In a way, I was born in Moultrie, Georgia. I usually tell people I'm from Durham, North Carolina, because that's where I was raised. And then you graduated high school in Tampa, Florida? Yeah, that's right, Tampa. Uh, you you kind of like hopped all around in your youth, right? <laughs> that's one way of looking at it. I actually spent most of my youth in Durham. Well, um, what brought you to uh, the Alexandria area and what... What made you interested in these uh, kind of stories? I'm, I'm Michael. Just I'm a, a terrible introduction by way of saying that I was in the uh, Walgreens across the street. I live on King Street, not far from Old Town, and I was in the Walgreens and I saw this book that said "Ghosts of Alexandria," and I was like, "Well, uh, I'm buying that because that's cool." And I read it and. Um, 
I found Michael and he lives here. And so what, what made you, what brought you here and what kind of, uh, gave you interest in these kind of stories? Well, so, uh, in 2004, um, my wife and I moved to, to Alexandria. We were looking to move kind of to the big city where, you know, we met and got engaged and, and got married in Tallahassee. And, uh, so we were looking to move to the big city. So we thought about New Orleans. We thought about Washington, D.C. Um, she got a job at the Motley Fool, which is located in Alexandria. So they moved us to Alexandria. So one of the first things that <laughs> I did was go on the ghost tour. Um, and so I, after it was over with, I was chatting with the, the guy who gave the ghost tour. His name is Wellington Watts. He actually owns the ghost tour company. And... Um, so before long, I was in that ridiculous costume doing the ghost tours myself. <laughs> um, and so, you know, if you're into history, living in Old Town is like the best place that you can possibly live because there are layers of history in Alexandria. Um, and the, the more you learn about it, the more interesting it is. And just sort of walking around Old Town, you come across all these great buildings and um you know, I, I heard your podcast where you were on your way to the grave of the female stranger. And mm -hmm. so you were commenting on the buildings that you were passing along the way and how grand they were and how interesting they were. And, you know, that's that was my first impression of Alexandria is I want to know everything that happened here <laughs> and the history of this place and, you know, how it came to be. And the ghost tour was a great way to do that. Yeah, um, I, and it's one of those things that I've lived here for 20 years and I've always said, oh, I want to do that, and I never have. Um, so I'll have to ma make sure I check that off my list. We're going to go tonight. <laughs> um, Wellington Watts, is that the guy's name? Yeah, great name, isn't it? Uh, uh, yes. Alexandria Ghost and Graveyard. Uh, it's uh, Alexandria Ghost and Graveyard Tours, and he... Um, he brought me into the fold and I gave ghost tours for a number of years. I have not given them in quite a while. I mean, I really enjoy giving them. Um, it, you, you do have to wear the ridiculous costume, which is not always comfortable, especially in August it, when it's hot or when it rains. It's a terrible thing. You know, those, those stupid shoes with the buckles on them actually have no grips on the bottom. So if it's raining, the, the bricks are slippery and you can... I actually have fallen down many times because of those stupid shoes. <laughs> and so, um, I mean, the costume is kind of fun to wear in the right weather, but most of the time it's a pain. Well, I, it's definitely something we're going to have to do. Um, this Going back to the female stranger, so we um, – this is a fascinating story um, in so many different regards, as in it's an unsolved mystery that's, you know, got many theories at, at, at who who she was – um, but, but yeah, I mean, I gave an overview in part one of like the general gist, but, uh, what did I miss? And I'm pretty sure I missed a lot. <laughs> well, I, you did something that most people don't do, which is you actually visited the grave. So good for you. Um, and it's not easy to find, uh, we'll say it's in the St. Paul's cemetery, which as you found when you went there is actually in the midst of about half a dozen other cemeteries. So you have to drive through this sort of complex of cemeteries, which by the way, is fascinating. I mean, I pitched to your listeners here, if you're looking for something fun to do, this might sound kind of macabre, but I guess we are in the Halloween season, 
go to these graveyards, plural graveyards in Alexandria. They're all backed up one next to the other and they are all fascinating and they've got great statues and obelisks and uh, inscriptions and it also happens to be the home of the Alexandria National Cemetery, which when you go there, it will remind you of Arlington National Cemetery. But the cool thing about Alexandria is it is the first ever national cemetery. It actually predates the uh, insurrectionist general's house and all the graves that are built around the Arlington National Cemetery. Uh, the Alexandria Cemetery, uh, National Cemetery is the first ever national cemetery. Wow. Uh, and it's definitely something to see. It's like a tourist attraction. Um, as as is the grave of the female stranger. Um, there, are th- there are also many other cool people buried there. There are former city council members and former mayors and city managers, and it's actually quite a cemetery complex. There are 13 cemeteries total. Yeah, some of them are large, you know, like the St. Paul cemeteries, one of the larger ones, the um, one of the really grand ones, the, I would say even the grand, other than the Alexander National Cemetery, the, the grandest one, would be the old Presbyterian meeting house. And it is so grand and so nice that during the pandemic, it got too crowded with people walking their dogs there because there's a, like a huge open space there. So people would bring their dogs and have like a dog run kind of thing. Uh, but it became too popular. So now the gates are always locked. <laughs> so you, it's like by appointment only, and you kind of have to work with the old Presbyterian meeting house to, to have them open the gates but um, anyway, the reason I bring all this up is it's so nice that it's a victim of its own popularity, this particular series of graveyards. Right, right. Um, yeah, we, did, we, we didn't quite find her the first time, but then we found her the second. And uh, it, it's – yeah, I would, I would strongly agree with Michael that I would advise people to go. Um, well, kind of like a library, in my opinion – you know, you when you go to a library, you want to you think about going in and out, and then when you get in the library, you think, "Oh my gosh, I should have brought a sandwich and stayed a while." When we got in the cemetery, we were trying to just do a rush job the first time, just to kind of see where it was, and then we got there and it was like, "Oh my gosh, we could like a library just go through a very nice stroll and like read all of the history and the dates and who's here, and it really is a beautiful cemetery." Yeah, I, I, you know, personal confession, I, during the pandemic, I walked through that cemetery literally every day because when, the, when my gym closed, I couldn't go to the gym anymore. I was trying to get some exercise. So I would go on these long walks, mostly through the graveyard. Uh, so I actually have spent a lot of time in that graveyard and I know every inch of it. Um, and I've read the inscriptions multiple times. Um, and it's, it's really something to see. It's a, it's a huge attraction, not just the female stranger part of it, but all the rest of it. So um, for your listeners, go for the female stranger, stay for the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was so taken back by the actual, uh, I don't know if it's not called a headstone, a headstone, I guess it's called a table stone? Yeah, so it, it is a, what they call a tabletop tombstone, which you see a lot in places like New Orleans that have a lot of flooding. Um, this is a little different because it's not, the whole thing about flooding is that you, wouldn't want the grave to be buried in the ground because the flooding might cause the body to come up out of the ground. And so you would want the, the burial to be above ground. So there would be like a box above the ground. This is a little bit different because the grave is actually below ground, but the 
there's like this, these four columns holding up the slab and then that's where the inscription is. And so it sort of looks like a table almost or like an altar <laughs> of some sort. Um, and then there's this long inscription on it. Um, and then, I mean, the, the most striking thing about it is the biggest bit of text on it says female stranger. So this is not like just some nickname that people have given this thing, female stranger. It's literally carved in stone on this grave, female stranger. Right. Do you think stories like this uh, are still, uh, uh, are people still trying to figure out like through other research? Or do you feel like this is one of those stories that is just kind of what we've read and what we know is the end of the story? You know, this is the the enduring mystery of Alexandria. You know, I, I start the chapter by quoting two people um, who were uh, longtime friends of mine, Michael Miller and Ruth Lincoln Kay. So Michael, Michael Miller was the longtime historian of Alexandria. He, he kind of compared it to a crossword puzzle. Like, you know, you, you want to keep working and working and working until you get there. Um, and, he, and he actually uncovered some very important bits of this that hopefully we'll get into. And then I also talked to, uh, for the book, a longtime friend of mine who's sadly no longer with us, Ruth Lincoln Kay, um, who, whose grave you walked by to get to the female stranger. She was actually buried right behind the female stranger. Um, and she, she called the, the, the enduring mystery of the female stranger the greatest mystery of them all which I would agree with. Um, she was the longtime historian for St. Paul's Episcopal Church and, and uh, you know, keeper of the legacy of the female stranger, I would call it. Um, but yeah, like, you know, Michael Miller, the city historian, wanted to know the answer to this. Ruth Lincoln Kay wanted, she just called it the greatest mystery of them all. She wanted to know the answer of this. We actually still don't know. It's still, as you say, the unsolved mystery. Although there are a lot of theories. I want to write for like PBS, a like 13 episode um, series called Alexandria. And it, it takes place in some weird bar, like maybe Gatsby's or wherever. And literally every episode is an offshoot of one of these stories of the mysteries of Alexandria. Like, I think they're all just so fascinating. Um, yeah, I mean, let's let's get into... The Gatsby's of it all, speaking of Gatsby's. So so the female stranger passed away in room eight. Um, now, now, that's not allegedly, right, Michael? That's a fact. Facts are hard to come by. So, I mean... <laughs> allegedly, she was in room eight. So if you literally go to Gatsby's Tavern, which I recommend you do, it sounds like you, it's possible you might not have gone there. No, uh, we're going to go. We're going to call you and see if you can come with us. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. Uh, uh, hopefully, I'll, maybe I'll put on my costume. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so there, there are two parts of Gatsby's Tavern if you go today. There's the restaurant. There's literally a restaurant um, there. So you can go there and enjoy kind of a nice meal. They also have a nice Sunday brunch. So for your listeners that, that are interested in hanging out in Old Town, think about Gatsby's Tavern as a, as a place to have dinner or lunch or brunch. Um, there's a separate part of Gatsby's Tavern that is a museum. And so they will bring you in and show you the historic tavern and sort of explain tavern life, which is fascinating. So the tavern played such a much more important role 
in you know the 1700s that we would think of today. So today, when you think of tavern, you think of maybe like the neighborhood bar, right? Um, the way they maybe even the way they do things, you know, in Europe, where it's like the neighborhood hangout. But in the 1700s, the plate that the word tavern indicated a whole lot more than that. It was also a place where you might pick up not just the local newspaper, but any of the regional newspapers. So it was kind of like a, a news hub, right? Like if you wanted to know what was going on, you would go to the tavern uh, because they would have the local newspaper, they would have the regional newspapers, they might even have newspapers outside of the region. And so you might meet people there, you might sort of cut deals there. Um, and also, this is another important part, you might stay there. So the tavern of the 1700s, which was much more like a hotel restaurant, where so if you go upstairs, you could stay, you could sleep in the tavern. Um, and, you know, it was much more sort of rough style living, like you might end up sharing a bed with a stranger. This is how the taverns worked in the, in the era. Uh, and if you take the tour, they will show you the, the rooms where people slept. And they actually literally have beds up there. And they, they explain the whole thing about the bed bugs and how you have to tighten the beds. And I mean, it's fascinating. They, so on the ground floor, there are sort of the public rooms where you might read the newspaper or have a drink or meet people. There's also private rooms where you might have a private meeting like George Washington actually hung out at Gatsby's Tavern. And, you know, so they would show you the room where George Washington would have had a private meeting with people and eaten his canvas back duck which was his favorite with hominy, which is essentially grits. Um, then they take you up to the second floor, which is a huge sort of empty room that could serve many purposes. You might do the Virginia reel in that room, or you might see a performance of some sort, or you might see traveling performers like the learned pig that, you know, you, like you could ask the pig to do addition and he would stamp his hoof and that sort of thing. Then you, you could, Go up to the third floor where they show you the sleeping arrangements, which, again, were rough by modern standards because you would share not just the room with strangers, but you would literally share a bed with strangers. Um, then they take you over to the more modern building, which is the building that the restaurant is in. And it was more modern because you could get your own private room. So this was like the, you know, kind of um, the the um, innovation of the more modern building is that you weren't sharing a room with strangers. You weren't sharing a bed with strangers. You had your own private room. It was the first place in Alexandria where you could get your own private room as a visitor. And it is in one of those rooms that's marked room number eight where the female stranger allegedly died, but it's so hard to actually come by contemporaneous documentation of any of this stuff um, because it was not covered in the newspaper. If you go back to the Alexandria Gazette circa 1816, you will not find any reference at all to the female stranger being there. It's really sad. And then if you try to find documents from the Gadsby's Tavern from that time, you will not find them because they don't exist. If you try to find records from the St. Paul's Episcopal Church, you will not find them because they burned down. So there's actually, sadly, not a lot of contemporaneous documents from 1816 in terms of what happened. The legend of the female stranger is such a big deal that you will find lots of stuff that has been written after the fact, including in the 1860s uh, and onward. So um, 
it's, I mean, you, you're asking me like what's fact and what's not fact. We actually, there are very little facts. <laughs> the, the best contemporaneous document is carved in stone and is in the St. Paul Cemetery. Right. It's just so fascinating to me that someone carved a stone that said the female stranger. She To the memory of the female stranger whose mortal sufferings, uh, or no, wait, uh, to the, uh, this, uh, to the memory of the female stranger whose mortal sufferings terminated on the 14th day of October, 1816, aged 23 years and eight months. This stone was placed here by her disconsolate husband in whose arms she sighed out her last breath and who under God did his utmost even to soothe the cold, dead ear of death. It's a wacky, crazy, amazing inscription to come across. Uh, and then there's a, also, after that, there's even more text. There's, there's like a part of the book of Acts that follows that. And so, I mean, it is a, it's an inscription that is intentionally designed to grab your attention, right? Especially with the words female stranger in, you know, caps right at the top. And so, you know, there's another part of the story that I've always personally been kind of interested in, which is how did this end up in the St. Paul's Episcopal Cemetery? So I'm actually a longtime member of St. Paul's Episcopal Church. I used to be on the vestry of St. Paul's. And it's unclear how that happened um, because, like, these were strangers to town, like literally strangers. And so when this person died, like, how did they end up getting the plot in St. Paul's Cemetery? And that's a mystery even in, in, inside the world of St. Paul's. Wow. She was like an Episcopalian, like, awards VIP member. <laughs> and had the, the card. Yeah, they found it cards, on her. Card, right. Yeah, and she was like, oh, okay, well, we'll put you here. So so the, the, the gravestone cost the equivalent of, like, 30 some thousand dollars now, correct? I heard you did that, the math on your previous podcast. Yeah, so there, the uh, Michael Miller, which is the longtime city historian he he had that number that i used in the book of the contemporaneous value of that uh, i don't know how he i don't know where he got that but um yeah if you take that number which is 18 16 dollars and extrapolate it out to 2021 dollars it's a lot of money yeah that the guy got stiffed for from from the you know mysterious mail stranger mail the, <laughs> yeah so there's also the important part of the story there's also the male stranger so like the female stranger and the male stranger showed up in alexandria she was sick he was rich they stayed at the gatsby's tavern she died he used apparently some sort of um fake money to pay for everything then skip town you know leaving a trail of bills unpaid and so yeah we don't really know much about the male stranger so it's so the, the identity of the female stranger, of course, is really interesting and unsolved. There's also part of the story that's worth thinking about, which is the identity of the male stranger who showed up with the female stranger, and then she died and he takes off. So who was the male stranger, too? Like, we don't know that either. No, he sounds really shady, though. Um... Well, I don't know. You know, I don't... I would... There's so much circumstantial things here. I mean, they could have been in love, but weren't allowed to be in love. I mean, right? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion here. Um, was she? I mean, I, I I can't go as far as say that she was a man, but was she? Did she have some sort of issues where she couldn't show herself? Maybe a disease, or I don't know. But I think that could be a part of our series for PBS. <laughs> 
Yeah, so, I mean, there are lots and lots of theories about this um, that, you know, we could go through, you know, one of which has taken on kind of a new life of its own because of the uh, success of the musical Hamilton is that uh, she was the daughter of Aaron Burr. That, that particular theory is interesting because of the musical. It's, it's not really all that fleshed out, I have to say. There's not a lot to that theory other than Aaron Burr at the time was kind of a... He had a really bad name because he had tried to launch an insurrection against the government of the United States. And so Aaron Burr himself was persona non grata so and not just him if you were related to aaron burr you also were persona non grata so like the theory of the daughter of aaron burr is all tied to the fact that whoever the daughter of aaron burr was she would be in need of hype being hid at this time or like she would be on the run because she would be trying to have people not know her identity right? right so that's sort of the the theory behind that is that she would not want to let people know that she was the daughter of Aaron Burr, and so therefore she would be concealing her identity by, you know, being the female stranger. I love that um, story. Yeah, that's but that's one. There, there's a, another more fleshed out version that's written in a, in what's called the narrative of John Trust, which I, I talk about in the book. It was published by anonymously by Gadsby's Tavern and the City Hotel, which was then owned by the American Legion. This is back in the 1960s. The American Legion published this kind of pamphlet, the origin of which is unknown, um, but it has kind of a Victorian twist, so I can guarantee it was not written in the 1960s. I have no clue when it was written, but that lays out this long and complicated story that identifies the female stranger as somebody named Blanche Fordan. <laughs> the name of the female stranger in this narrative of John Trust is Blanche Fordan, whose mother dies in an almshouse in Cornwall. Blanche Fordan is raised in Martinique. And then so when she's in Martinique, there's the arrival of these two men, John Trust and John Rowe. And John Trust falls in love with Blanche Fordan, but Roe is jealous of this, and Roe happens to be ha- happens to have occult powers, so he mesmerizes Fordan and takes her on the ship, and he marries her while she's in transit to the United States. And meanwhile, she catches a fever, so this is like COVID sixteen, right? Like <laughs> COVID eighteen sixteen, um, right. and then. They, then they end up in Alexandria, and they stay at Gatsby's Tavern, and she dies. And there's all this crazy stuff in the narrative about an occult ritual that happens at this place called Brumelon. And then there's a confrontation in St. Paul's Cemetery at the grave of the female stranger. And then there's a twist ending when you find out that all three of these people are actually siblings. Blanche Fordan is his sibling. Blanche Fordan and John Trust are actually twin siblings and john roe is also the brother but john roe was they were all separated at birth and you know um she went off to martinique he came to alexandria but roe went to learn animal magnetism from the brahmins in calcutta i mean it's really a crazy crazy narrative uh, that's the narrative of john trust so i don't also... trust that narrative <laughs> no that would be a, make a really good film too yeah yeah it, it might make a, 
a good film. Um, I, I think it's, I mean, I know you guys write musicals, right? So like there, there is the possibility to have the sequel to Hamilton where the female stranger is the daughter of Aaron Burr. Also worth noting to get to the St. Paul Cemetery. Did you happen to notice the name of the road the St. Paul Cemetery is on? Hamilton. Hamilton. That's so interesting. Um, so, so that is not a mistake. Yeah, it's not a mistake at all. So, uh, okay. Well, so she is her ghost reportedly allegedly haunts either near her grave site or around Gatsby's Tavern. Now, where is Gatsby's Tavern Tavern in Old Town? What's what's the cross streets? Cameron and Royal. Cameron so and if you're Royal. familiar with the layout of Alexandria, I guess listeners probably would be most familiar with Market Square, yep. which is where they have the Saturday market every Saturday morning. And so the big building that you see in the background of Market Square is City Hall. So just on the other side of Royal Street is Gatsby's Tavern. Yep. Um, and when's the last time you were there? Before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think the last time I, I was there was actually when they were launching this beer called Long Black Vale, which every year they used to have this event at Gatsby's Tavern to launch this this beer that's created by Port City Brewing called Long the Long Black Vale, which celebrates the legacy of the female stranger. And so right around October, right around the death date of the female stranger, they would launch Long Black Vale at Gatsby's Tavern. It was kind of an event. Um, and so I think that's probably the last time I was there. I, I feel like we need to find our way to get to Gatsby's on the 14th of October. I really do. <laughs> I think that's a thing that we should we should see if they're you know it's it's like post pandemic sort of ish not really you know what I mean. <laughs> um, you know, in, in, in preparation for coming on your podcast, I was determined to find out if Port City was doing this launch again, and I actually sadly I don't think they are. So I I think when I, I called Port City today to figure this out, and the woman who used to arrange this annual event at Gatsby's Tavern no longer works for Port City. And so they've kind of moved on to other things, like they're organizing a pub crawl. And so, so sadly, I don't think they're doing a Gatsby's Tavern event this year to launch the beer that celebrates the memory of the female stranger. Well, we'll just oh, have to create our own I event. I was going to say, yeah. what a great opportunity. <laughs> oh, gosh. Michael, they, they, there's some other – really, everything in this book is an interesting story. But uh, the, the ones that um, – Pop out to the listeners. Where can they get this book? Besides the Walgreens next to my house, the trunk of my car. Would be the best <laughs> answer. So um, you I'll know, meet you at the... Gatsby's. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know, uh, one of the things that you learn when you have a book for sale is that, the, of course, you can buy it on Amazon. You can go to your local CVS here in the in the region. They a lot of them have it. The CVS by my house has it. You mentioned the Walgreens by where you guys live. They they've got it. That's all well and good, and that's great. Um, but the, for the author, the the most beneficial thing to the author of the book is if you buy it directly from them. Um, so a you can get it signed and personalized, but b the author it's a better financial deal for the author if you buy it directly from him or her than if you buy it from Amazon or CVS or Walgreens. And so how can people do that? 
Well, they can hit me up uh, on Twitter at Michael Lee Pope. Perfect. Okay, we are in a dormer room in Gatsby's Tavern. I don't know which one it was. I don't believe they advertised they're showing, that. They're not showing all of them also. I'm sure this is a hallway that connects more, maybe. But this is, we're in, in the top floor of the Gatsby's Tavern, uh, where guests would have stayed. So this is kind of like the accommodations the female stranger would have had. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a cot on the floor on, on one side with a pillow and a blanket. Then there's a makeshift bed. I think they also sometimes shared. Here is a little pot to go to the bathroom in. It's amazing. Um, and just if you go, know that it's a $5 fee per person. Self-guided tours. Um, it's a really interesting house. Really a lot of amazing history took place here. Thomas Jefferson's uh, inauguration celebration was held here. Uh, it's really, really cool stuff. Um, haven't found a ghost yet, but I will tell you when we get back in the car what my Ghost Talker app said at one point. Uh, all right, we're going to head back to the car. Bye. Bye. And we're back in the car, headed back home on King Street. Um, what did you think of that, Maddie? It was cool. It's definitely historic. It remind, remind, remind me of going through like almost like a pre-Civil War kind of home back in Winchester feeling. Lots of little representations of how people ate and lived and slept and danced. There's a cool little balcony in the ballroom. I guess that's where George Washington had a birthday party and Thomas Jefferson had an inaugural dinner. Um, I didn't see a ghost. No. It is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I did put my Ghost Talker app on at one point in the lodging room, and the only words that came up were arrive, friend, buy, leave, and then start, and then accident. But I think those two were because I moved it. And that's pretty, um, actually... That's kind of what it is there at that uh, museum. Arrive, friend, buy a ticket, and leave. And that's about about all there is to do. Um, but if you go, it's five bucks each. Uh, talk to a lovely woman in the gift shop. Um, but the thing is, they do not acknowledge the female stranger ever existed. It's not, there's not haunted books in the gift shop. There's no historical plaque talking about it she has been excised from Gatsby's Tavern's history in that museum which is really weird and again forgotten and kind of sad don't you think yeah I'm sure there might be maybe she was at one point and they had to remove all of that I don't know how all that works or they don't want like the wrong kind of clientele in there they want to keep it very snooty and historical society minded um well they still do have a working restaurant next door so i'm sure that's the main income and they want to make sure that the but they're two different like companies right yes it looks like it yeah but uh, clearly the five dollar charge for the museum and the charge for the dinner it's, the money is definitely looks like it's coming in the restaurant side yeah um you can mail yourself a postcard which i thought was quaint um uh, matt I actually filled one out, so I guess we're going to get one in the mail, huh? 
No, I mailed it to someone else. Oh, who'd you mail it to? To my parents. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. Yeah, the the mess the thing said to mail someone else a, a, a postcard from them. I, I guess maybe helping to encourage others to come. Got it. Like a like a little marketing thing. Like send send a friend a, a postcard from here. Got it. Got it. I thought it was kind of a cool idea. Um. All right. Well, so female stranger, we have we have uh, exhausted the. Um, the places to visit for the female stranger now we've done them all um so i guess uh that kind of is going to wrap us for today on our way home um please check out if you haven't listened to the other female stranger parts why are you listening to part three go listen to the other ones yeah um if you want to check out our merch store uh as i said in the last episode uh and the one before it there's new merch up that indicates the last two subject matter shows of this season. So that's all up on the merch store. If you go take a look, you'll find out. It's going to be a big deal. We already recorded it the other night, and it's going to be very exciting. Um, so uh, please tell friends about us. Uh, like, subscribe, review, all that stuff that you're supposed to tell people to do that they never do. But I'm going to tell you anyway. Um <laughs> And thank you to our listeners who are dedicated. Come back episode after episode. Uh, We are crossing more thresholds every day as far as listens, and it's very exciting. So, as we always say, never stop questioning. Bye, everybody. And as always, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at www.connorsmithmusicals.com. That's Connor with an ER. You can find us at Facebook under Connor and Smith, again, with an ER. Um, please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. It really helps us out. And hey, share it with your friends. Uh, recommend it to others. It only helps grow our already amazing um And I'm so thankful, uh, listenership. So again, thanks so much. We'll see you next time.